0: Once a jolly swagman camped by a billabong Under the shade of a bar tree He sang as he watched and waited till his billy boiled You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Waltzing Matilda, waltzing
1: Okay, we had different music today. This is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. I know I changed my outro, mu- my intro music today because uh, today we are celebrating Australia Day. Australia Day is January 26th and I thought, what a great way to celebrate Australia Day and to celebrate my, you know, Australianness, <laughs> which I always am so proud of, uh, by dedicating my show to, you know, being an Australian and being an Aussie. Um, for those of you who, know, who, who don't know me, my name is Naomi Nachman. Um, I, um, I am the Aussie Gourmet. Um, I am about all the food, all the time. Uh, the sponsor of our show, of course, is Abel's and & Hyman, and I am so excited that uh, they are on board with us. Um, so we had a couple of great shows in the last couple of weeks, and I, I you know, we're going to be continuing all the food, all the time. Um, I love food. I shop for it. I cook it. I eat at restaurants, anything food related. I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet, you know, more Australian-ness. And I give cooking classes. I cater for people for Shabbat, for Yom Tov, for Pesach, small parties. Anytime you don't feel like cooking, I am your girl. I hope that you'll tune in each week and stick with us for the whole hour to hear about cooking adventures, kosher food traveling, and sharing of great food ideas and recipes each week. But I also want to hear about your food experiences too. So you can email me, Naomi at naomi.nahamsegal.com. You can join my fan page on Facebook, uh, The Aussie Gourmet. You can follow me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and you can also join up my newsletter on my website, The Aussie Gourmet. So we're celebrating Australia Day. Um I actually don't have any beer with us today. I probably should have bought some beer in, but you know, gotta stay a little focused. Um so the introduction of music is actually sung by um Slim Dusty. Uh, it was written the music was and lyrics was was written by Banjo Patterson in the late eighteenth century. He was an Australian bush poet, journalist and author, and he wrote many ballads and poems about Australian life and living in the rural outback areas. So, um, you know, that was Waltzing Matilda, he also, which was a very, very iconic Australian song. Um, he also wrote, uh, did The Man from Snowy River, which also became an American movie um, in the late 80s, uh, mid-80s. And also he wrote Clancy of the Overflow. So there are three of Banjo-Patterson's major works and, of course, his mo- most iconic Waltzing Matilda. Pe- people actually think that's the national anthem, but it is not. So um today I'm going to be having some amazing guests but they are all from Australia. Um so uh earlier on in the week I have had an interview uh with uh, Rabbi Gutnick and Rabbi Groner. Rabbi Gutnick um, and Rabbi both of them are um especially Rabbi Gutnick he's the executive director um and the head of I would say head of kashrut of um the Australian Authority it's called. I'm going to actually introduce him, and he's going to explain his whole title. Rabbi Gornick, are you there?
2: Yeah, I'm
1: here. Hi, hi, Rabbi Gornick. Okay, so you are the executive director. Is that what we would call it in America? Hmm.
3: Rabbinic administrator.
1: Ra- Rabbinic administrator of the Kashrut Authority of Australia and New Zealand. I got that right.
3: That that's correct.
1: Yay! Great. And Rabbi Groener, he's joining us with us as well. Hi. How are
2: you?
3: Yep.
1: Hello, Rabbi Groner. Now, this is actually a very interesting uh, interview because um, Rabbi Gutnick is actually in Singapore and Rabbi Groner is actually in Sydney, correct?
2: Correct.
1: Okay, so, you know, we're, we're bringing the world together right here on the Lower East Side.
3: <laughs> okay, great. No, you're missing, you're missing the weather. What's the temperature like outside?
1: Uh, it's pretty cold. It's been cold for ages. We need we need some nice warm weather. Oh
3: well, the Sydney weather the sun is sunny, shining every day. Every day is better than the next.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! We're actually going to have David Wallace in. Uh, he's on the, later on in the show. He's actually from Israel, um, and he brings tours of people to Australia. He's an actually an expat um, from Melbourne. Um, so he's going to be uh, talking about touring in Australia and how Americans can get there and have a really great tour.
3: And if they need anything, they just contact our office. We'll help them with all their kosher food requirements.
1: Okay, terrific. All right, so let, let's talk about the the Kashrut Authority of of Australia. Now, I get a lot of phone calls from people. They they say they see a diamond and they see a K and an A in the middle, and and there's something about Australia. So they're not quite sure what's going on there. They, is it reliable? Is it not? You know, like because you know, and I said it is the best, best. Top-rated hachshar in the world because it's it's very very reliable and everybody holds of it, and it's nice when one community comes together to have a to have one hachshar.
3: Well, that's, that's a story in, in Sydney. There were a number of Heksharim back in 1990, we all uh, all the different hachshirim united into one. We chose the highest common denominator, and since then we've been serving the, um, the not just the Sydney Jewish community but the broader community in Australia. And uh, far out in New Zealand, and you see, I'm in Asia at the moment, and uh, we do our best to provide the highest standard of coaches and vision, um, bringing products from this end of the world and um, throughout the entire world.
1: That's fantastic. I see that, you know, Australian products are really making their way into um, the United States.
3: Yes, and that's helped That's helped us a lot as well. Our market in Australia itself is not that large, the the kosher market, but, of course, the world market, and particularly in the United States and Israel, the market is very, very large. So a lot of local um, companies who are interested in exporting to the United States or to Israel must get a Heksha, and then that benefits um, the local community.
1: Right. You know, we should talk a a little bit about the history of Kashrut, because when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s in Australia... um my mother used to keep in her bag in her pocketbook or handbag um a book because you we didn't have labels OUs, huff ks or even the diamond k back the diamond k a back then you know ha, ha, oh, let's talk as, about as, that as evolution it, it's been unbelievable right well,
3: as i mentioned as I mentioned before as i mentioned before the, the the market in Australia was very small back in the in the mid seventies uh, um a, a collaboration between what was then the sydney Best in and um an um, um, organization in melbourne called um um uh, they collaborated together there was a uh, Abramson oh. and, uh, in sydney and there was a dr ehrman in melbourne and they began to investigate um products and the market well, the kosher market wasn't big enough that companies should want to put the a kosher symbol on their products so instead we had to develop lists and these lists, you know, over the years have grown and, and have grown. You, you find a similar situation in in uh, in England, in Europe, um, because our markets are, are not that big. Companies aren't that willing to put uh, symbols on, and everybody walks around with a, um, a a kosher list. Although today it's really advanced. Um, there's an there's an Apple app um, that uh-huh. you can get for your iPhone, um, which which you, you, for the kosher authority, um, and you can. Search on that app any product, and it'll tell you whether the product is kosher or not kosher, and you get a list. Now, we still have to use an app because we still don't have total market penetration like there is in the United States. Right. There isn't, super, there, isn't, there isn't a supermarket um, in Australia where you won't find a product that doesn't now start to have um, an Australian kosher symbol uh, on the um, product. It's not as big as we'd like to yet. It's growing, and so you have to have both. But you know, compared to what it was like when when you were growing up. Yeah, for I sure. Actually, remember when you were actually remember when you were growing up. Because
1: Rabbi Gutnick because was my, my Rabbi Gutnick was my Masada Kadushin.
3: That's correct. Twenty I remember years. Remember the wedding? Very well. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty years. was like yesterday.
1: I know, it's crazy. It
3: like it's really crazy. And things have things have things have you know really grown and really improved in um, uh, Australia, both in Victoria and New South Wales. And we expect it only to get better.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's really wonderful. And a lot of these, you know, you have a huge booth now at Kosher Fest in the United States. If anybody was back at, in Kosher Fest in October, Kosher Australia, is that what it, I think you called it, Kosher Australia? You had a huge booth. I believe you that you were there, Rabbi Groening, was there? Your brother from Melbourne was there, the other Rabbi Groening,
3: right? Was he there yeah,
1: this year? Yes,
3: yeah, it, 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 it was a, a very big um, um, exhibition because there were a, 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 a great number of products under certification of the Kashia Authority, which have actually come into the um, American market and, all, and become commonplace. I think one of the most popular foods is um, um, a, a food called um, Real Foods Corn Fins. Everybody's oh, seen them?
1: Very, very big, very a, big.
3: You can yeah, buy them all over. Well. They've, got a diamond, they've got a Diamond K.A. certification, and for the American market, they've got a, a, an OK certification as well. And, um, you know, Grown is the one who gives us that plant um, regularly. If you tell us a bit about how healthy the product is.
1: And It's, it's great okay.
0: because
1: I, I, um, I really I love the corn thins and they've been out for the United States for a couple of years but you know what was for me the biggest find and when I walked into the supermarket and I've spoken to you both at Kosher Fest about this, how I used to have to smuggle Solomon Sippets in my suitcase to bring them into the country. I would literally line no, a suitcase with Solomon Zippets. <laughs> I'm actually looking at a package right now, um, and it has an OK at the front, and then at the back it has the it says made in Australia and it has the the KA for Cultural Authority, Kashao in the diamond, and it is my favourite product. I was so happy that I didn't have to um, lock, have my parents bring that in. You know, I saw it yes. in Gome well, well, got it in the five towns. Love, Gome Glatz. Thank you for, when I saw it there, <laughs> I put it on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for being a, a great supporter, Gome Glatz, of, bring, of uh, getting these Solomon Sippets for us.
2: Uh, the, the, the truth is that Solomon Sippets have really taken off in the United States. In fact, um, Solomon Sippets won Best New Savory and Salty Snack Food. Oh, really? Um, at here. Yeah, oh, I didn't even Best. know
1: that. I did not know that.
2: Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's really taking off. Um, it's, it's actually distributed um, in the United States by a company called GNG Food, Fun Food, um, and people can't get enough of it. To be honest with you, uh, um, you know Solomon's over here has you know never never dreamed in his wildest dreams that he would be you know making sippets, which have been around for so many years in the United States, and uh, and hopefully it will just grow and grow and grow, and uh, it, it's, you know I- similar to the real foods. Similar to Real Foods, you know, it started off this company Real Food, that they that provide quorn. They started off in a garage, and today they are sending containers and containers yeah. of these quorn. it's very
1: popular as, a, as an American consumer and you know, in um and, and a, a mom and and someone who's just very health conscious. They are fabulous.
3: Correct. It's it's, not, it's So what, not so what you team. could do is. You could sprinkle sippets on top of your corn things oh. and, and sort of mix business with
1: pleasure. Uh, you know what you can do? <laughs> you can also put some Tim Tams in, Rabbi Gurtnik. We need to get – I'm holding it up. I've got a package here of Tim Tams that you guys gave me at <laughs> Kosher first. I keep them in the freezer to keep them fresh. And I have to get people who come in from Israel to bring me in um, Tim Tams because I love, 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 love my Tim Tams. And they've only been kosher, you know, not even that long, 10 years. I didn't have them growing up.
3: No, you definitely wouldn't have. And it's it's a it's a um, an iconic Australian product. It's um, it's kosher um, a, a color and it's, it's not Chavizrael. One of the most not Chavizrael, it but it's apparently one of the most tastiest um, <laughs> biscuits around. Poor so, Rabbi well, Goodnick hasn't, hasn't had, had one. Of them. you have. No. <laughs> no, I haven't had one. I haven't had one. Right, because it's, it's not Chavizrael. That's correct, but it's my pleasure to, to give other people pleasure.
1: Oh, fantastic. Um, you know what the other iconic Australian food is, but I don't have any here, Vegemite. You need to put some Vegemite on those corn thins.
3: Yeah, but Americans, Americans eat Vegemite. They they think we, we've lost the plot.
1: I know, I know. We cannot bring that in. That's a secret. That's a secret that we have Aussies had, have, have to had, keep. What
3: about What about Vegemite and cheese?
1: Yum, yum. Vegemite cheese on Isn't a corn it? thin. When I was pregnant with my uh, oldest daughter, when I could not look at food... All I wanted to eat was Vegemite. Vegemite and butter. <laughs> it is the best. And Americans just, my husband's <laughs> never had it.
3: Rabbi Griner, did you what, what, eat Vegemite? What was that song? What was that song? Aussie kids are Vegemite kids No Wasn't that's Wheat
1: bix It's I'm um, a happy little Vegemite. Oh, Weet-Bix. I
3: about Weet-Bix, kids. Weet-Bix Aussie Weet-Bix kids. In? Can you get Weet-Bix? We- in America?
1: No, we have something similar. It's not the same thing. I actually do bring Wheat bix in as well. Um you know what I love also eat a barbecue sauce. Can we please bring that in as well? <laughs>
3: <laughs> and nappy sand, I you love nappy sand. It's definitely a very very good nappy, nappy sand. You can't eat the nappy sand.
1: You can't eat nappy sand. We don't nappy- need a Heksha on it, but it's the best laundry detergent on the planet. Shabbos tablecloth <laughs> stains it works like nothing else. My yeah, mother. Ma- that is
3: true. Listen, your, your whole audience are invited to come to visit Australia.
1: Okay, everyone, let's go. We're going to talk to David Wallace and, in a uh, little bit. He's going to we'll, get us there.
3: We'll make we'll make we'll make a big barbie. Uh, but we won't put any we won't put any prawns on the barbecue. We'll just put <laughs> We'll
1: put we'll put some great Aussie lamb. Now, Australian lamb is also available now in the United States.
2: Australian
3: lamb, the same
2: yep. DS, yep. So there, it's a yep. very big seller,
1: correct? It's yep. crazy, like you know, all the stuff I used to sneak in, I can just buy and gum my glut now. <laughs> I literally, I, I would go to um, Benny Rev in Sydney, Australia. Big shout out to you, and he would um, package vacuum package me up lamb chops. And I would bring them back on the plane. I would bring them they,
3: Nothing in the suit in the suitcase. Himself.
1: And Katzy's, um catsy's meat pies.
3: I would. I would. My- That's a little, secret, and it's also probably the most kosher in the world. Our, our weather is such, as you know, in the laws of of Kushris, One of the problems that can happen with a with, a, with either lamb or with or with, or with um, beef yeah. is if there are adhesions on the lung. Then that makes the animal not kosher, and right. you know glut means that there are Smooth. very few adhesions or less adhesions and um, in America, because of the, the weather situation, because the animals are lot fed, then um, e- even animals which are called gluts can sometimes have some adhesions, but they they 're passed through by the shokhet. and there's something called bestive glut, which um, is supposed to be completely um uh, clear. In Australia, we, we don't have that problem at all. In America, if you kill 100 animals, maybe you'll get 20 or 30 which are that highest form of grass. Really? In Australia, it's the other way. Yeah. In, in, in Australia, it's the other way around. R- you kill 100 animals, you have no, 95 of the highest form of grass. That's that, because everything that's is grass fed, healthy. Yep. So it's
0: can I ask you? Healthy.
1: Grass fed. See, that's a yeah, big thing on. also. That's also a big thing now in the yeah. United States. A big push yeah. for grass fed yep. meat. So is most of the meat in Australia grass fed? Not corn-fed. All of
3: it. No, no way. way. It.
1: That's why Australian meat yeah. tastes better.
3: Correct. That's correct. Although the Americans will tell you that the American meat is better because the lot feeding causes um, marbling of the meat, but we would call we Australians would say that meat is too fatty, and and the and an Australian looking at a piece of meat would say, you know, the American meat is too fatty and our meat is too lean. That's and so the, interesting. And, 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 yep. Yep. Wow! That makes a difference from a customer's perspective.
2: That that, that that brings us to why you know why so many wonderful Australian products uh, are in the United States because the, the fact is that Australia has a reputation of being clean, green, from an agricultural point of view. Things are clean, things are wonderful, and the products that are imported to the states are, uh, are wonderful products, and that's why they've taken off the way they have.
1: That's really amazing. You know, so can I bring up that whole you know the culture thing in Australia where where it's different in America and different in Australia? I heard. You know, when I first came to America, people said yashan, and I'm like, what are they talking about? Old. What does old mean? The yashan wheat. And then my brother told me um, that all wheat in Australia is yashan. Is that correct? Not we
0: don't, quite. I
1: never, heard of, I never heard of yashan in Australia, growing well, up in the,
3: Australia. No, well, 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 you wouldn't have heard it in America either when you were growing up. The, uh, yashan is, in, is, a, is something that exists in Australia. Uh, certainly, there in Israel. In other words, what the law of Yosham is, is that uh, wheat that um, is grown before Pesach or was harvested before Pesach um, cannot be uh, eaten until the second day of Pesach. Remember, you have to bring the the Omer. Yes. Yeah. Once the Omer was brought in the, in the temple, um, that's when the new harvest was permitted to be eaten. So you can have a situation if something is is harvested. Um, um, you know, a month after Pesach, then um, it's considered um, um, Chodosh, is considered new until the following Pesach. And once it, you reach the following Pesach, then it becomes Yosha and it becomes old. Now, in the in Europe and, and, and of old, um, nobody really could keep proper track of where the wheat was coming and going. Okay, and people weren't in a position really to to order. Uh, or to be careful when the wheat was grown and when it was harvested. So a number of leniencies um, were accepted, especially a leniency by someone called Bach, where, which, as a general rule, basically said that the laws of uh, of Kodesh and Yoshin only apply in the land of Israel. However, there are many authorities that are held that it applies even outside the land of Israel. Sure. So in the last twenty, in the last I would say twenty years, not 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 longer than that, um, people have become more aware of this halacha. And have been able to actually control the supply of wheat to ensure that the wheat which they um, are getting is called Yoshan, or is Yoshan. In other words, it's harvested before Pes- Pesach, or at least it's, um, the real is it has to be growing in the ground before Pesach, and then a bit of a time after Pesach, it's okay. okay. So. The- it's difficult to keep track of it in America, but in Australia, because of the difference of the seasons, right? There's only three months of the year when there's an issue of Kodosh. and they are basically December, January, and February. Okay, so that's now. <laughs> outside of those months, as outside of those months, there's no problem.
1: And there's summer months in Australia, by the way. Everyone in who's listening from the United States, yep. they're su- the the summer yep. months in Australia. Very interesting. No, thank you. I've always wanted to clarify that point about you know um, the Yashan, is because. Yep. It, in Australia, I never
3: really never heard of it. And, and, and when you were growing up, as I said, you wouldn't have heard about it, right? America right.
2: Either.
1: Okay. So that That's you know, right. a little.
2: <laughs> I'm sure. That make, sorry, the the timtams that we make for um, for Israel, um, we we make sure that you know that the, the, the wheat used is yashon.
1: Oh, so interesting. Yasham but not Israel. Interesting twist. Okay. <laughs>
3: Correct. And okay. the rabbanut accepts that because the rabbanut has a rule that um, powdered milk, it will accept. Um, um, but they won't accept ordinary milk. Interesting. It's complicated. How got.
1: Okay. All right. So you know what another big Australian product is that, that is huge in America? Something you can't eat. Now we're talking about things like so, from 30 years ago that are now very popular in America, like Sippets, Ugg boots. You know, everyone knows Ugg boots are Australian, and it took like 30 years to make them so huge and iconic in America. Too. So just, you know, just like the sippets, <laughs> you know.
3: Yeah, but you've got to be careful. When you buy your Ugg boots, you've got to look underneath and see if it doesn't say made in China. Right. If so, there's made in China underneath, don't
1: buy it. But, but you, you should know all <laughs> the American Uggs that say ag Australia are on it that they charge $200 for or say made in China. But they're all made with Australian oh, great. products. <laughs> they're all made with Australian wool, but it's just assembled in China. Yeah. So go figure. Okay. Well, Let's bring it back a little bit about the food because I had a great, you know, I always talk about my kosher food adventures and my kosher food traveling on my radio show. And about a year or so ago, I had this great food adventure. I had Trader Joe's, one of my favorite supermarkets. Um, so I go there like for a couple of like, uh, health products here and there. Um, because I have, um, you know, like this, the vegetable broth, which I like from there. Um It's a dollar ninety-nine or a dollar two dollars and nineteen cents. It's gone up. And then I always walk by the Parva ice cream section. They have all this crazy soy ice cream. All of a sudden, I see mango sorbet. And then I pick it up and I look at it and I see Diamond K A. Now, now I think it's switched to something else, right? The symbol? Oh
3: well, you get both. You can get both symbols. You get both you can symbols. Get, you get, you get I, yep.
1: And and I could not believe that they were selling wee spars in Australia at Trader Joe's. How would they score yeah, that? You know, Who made that shit up?
3: Australia's traveling the world.
1: Ah, oh, it's crazy. But how do they bring ice cream in?
3: What do you mean? They're, 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 it's made in Australia. Yeah. They put it on, the, on a on a ship or a plane. And they send it to America.
1: <laughs> Just like me, I guess how I go back and forth. Like I could not believe they could even, you know, ship frozen ice cream. So, yeah, in,
4: in, um, they don't only have in,
2: the mango. In, they don't only have the mango sorbet. They have, uh, you know, raspberry and vanilla cream bars that are bearing on Hanukkah. Coffee latte and cream bars. And um, they have quite a variety there.
1: Yeah, it was unbelievable. I, I go and I buy two of everything. I keep them in the freezer. We love them. If, oh.
3: And the factory is in the, the factory is in a place called Toowoomba. Toowoomba. No nope, I don't know if anybody yeah, it's knows how to spell it, Aboriginal. It's, tr- it's something like that. Do you Toowoomba. know
1: why I, I know how to in spell the middle,
3: wo- in the middle I- of a field? Yeah. What do you know? You know how to spell Woolamaloo?
1: I can spell wooll W double O double L double O M double O L double O. How's that for living in America for twenty two years?
3: <laughs> Out of this. Out of this world.
1: <laughs> I've Wollumaloo, forgotten.
3: For those who are listening, Woolloomooloo is a suburb of Sydney, about 10 minutes' drive from Bondi, where most of the Jewish people live.
1: There you go. So, Ian, you know, there's always and, a sign and when in you drive. Wollumaloo,
3: if you live in Woolloomooloo, if you live in Woolloomooloo, um, and you get up early enough in the morning, you can see the kangaroos as they deliver newspapers. The kangaroo uh, takes about four or five newspapers in its pouch, jumps past your house, throws out the, the newspaper, and then goes further.
1: Rabbi Nick, they're going to believe you. I know. (laughs) You know, when I first went to seminary, I had to debunk a lot of myths about Australian Jews, Australia, not Australian Mm -hmm. Jews, but Australia. Like, it was crazy. Like, people had never met it. Now, the world with the internet and Facebook and all the stuff, YouTube, the world is getting smaller and smaller, and people have heard about Australia. But back then, like, people were like completely baffled that there are Jews in Australia, and how could how could Pesach be in the fall? And sukkus in the spring—it's very hard to wrap your head around.
3: I know. Even though the Medrash says that Sukkot is supposed to be as winter approaches, so if you put your trust in Hashem, the weather usually by us Sukkot, especially in Sydney, is out of this world. This Sukkot we had eight days of glorious sunshine.
1: Oh, that's very nice. We did not <laughs> in New York, and it was early for us. <laughs> yeah, it's always very hard. Rabbi Guneik, Rabbi Groner, thank you so much for joining me. I know it's like crazy in the morning. No, Rabbi- what time you is it? The
3: most, you forgot the most important product. Okay, tell me. You forgot Teal Lake wines. Teal, Good oh my Bay gosh! Wines. Jay
1: Jay Bookspan will kill me if I forget
3: them. Um, I'm sorry. That's the that Royal Wine Company by Kedem.
1: Yes, our fabulous sponsors, outstanding
3: Australian wines.
1: Our sponsors of our network. Thank you, uh, right. Kedem. And they create,
2: they grace the supper tables of everyone in the in the states. Teal Lake, Altoona Hill, Goose Bay, and Harcombe wines.
1: Okay, great. And I believe they are, will they be at the Kosher Food and Wine Expo in uh, February twenty fourth.
2: I'm uh, I'm sure they would if, if Royal Wine Corp, um, you know, have
3: there then the, the Kerem and definitely the Lake there. Wines are there. You you we go out at the go out at the harvest. The grapes are picked from the vine. The weather is usually again extraordinary, and to see the grapes turn into juice and then turn into wine is truly a remarkable experience and you understand why you have to make a special broccoli on wine.
1: Oh, well, You know, I I want to come to Australia this year and maybe, Rebecca or Nick, you'll
3: take me out to the vineyards. Well, it's a a long way Uh, away but with the greatest of pleasure.
2: Harkham Winery is actually doing their harvest uh, um, probably on the 17th of January and uh, uh, just an interesting point there, Aziza Chardonnay 2011 was rated the second best Australian white wine, not only in kosher, but even in the non-kosher wines. So, they really, you know, these Australian kosher wines really feature, you know, quite prominently um, in the world of wines. And
3: I don't think there's a restaurant in New York where you won't get a bottle of Teal Lake wine.
1: That's absolutely fabulous. I know I buy the Moscato. Um, they call it, no.
3: They call it something,
1: Moscato de Aussie.
3: Yeah, correct. But there's a Ah. red Moscato out, 2012 vintage, out of this world. Okay, we're we're going to get it this shoppers. You know the... You know the beautiful blue Batonura? Yeah. This this pizza.
0: Okay. Red
3: Moscato 2012. We're
1: going to talk to Jay Bookspam about those, those wines. He's our... Uh our, uh, super sommelier, as, uh, Miriam L. Wallett calls him, and he, our station manager, and, uh, he comes on the show and talks about all these amazing wines from around the world, and, uh, we're gonna have to get him to bring, uh, some, uh, some Australian wines to try. Thank you very much for joining us today, Rabbi Goodnick and Rabbi Groner from Singapore it's pleasure. and Australia. It's a
0: problem,
2: and happy Australia Day.
1: Yeah, happy Australia Day. Regards to my parents. All the best. Alright, take all care.
3: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye, thank
1: you. Okay, that was Rabbi Gutnick and Rabbi Groner from Sydney, Australia, and, uh, also joining us, also, uh, Rabbi, uh, Guttnick was actually in Singapore, uh, doing a little bit of, uh, Kashuit inspections there. You are listening to Table for Two on, on, you are listening to Table Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Abels and Hyman Hot Dogs and Hodgolan Meats. Um, now we're going to move on to my favorite segment because I'm going to talk about a recipe. What's for dinner segment? Um, it's always my favorite time of the year, uh, when it's Australia Day to make a pavlova. So our What's for Dinner segment is sponsored by Gourmet Glad Emporium out in Cedarhurst, Long Island, where I buy my ingredients for this amazing pavlova because the best, you need the best quality strawberries and the best quality kiwis. And the guys there always pick me out the nicest kiwis. Like, I never know how to feel for the exact rightness. Um, uh, we have to consult with high Frischman from Fruit Platters and More about that. And, um, they always, I buy the Driscoll strawberries because I find that they have those in Gomeglat all the time. Um, and they're like, kind of like a really sweet strawberry. I don't like when they're not so sweet. Um, I find some of the other brands a little bit dull. So we're gonna just quickly talk about, uh, Pavlova. Um, the recipe is, uh, very quickly, four egg whites and one cup of sugar one teaspoon of vinegar and two teaspoons of cornstarch. Very easy, four ingredients. Um, you, you beat the egg whites, then you add in the sugar, you add in the vinegar while it's all whipping, and then you add, um, it'll whip up into this big, glossy egg white whip, and then you put it on a piece of parchment paper, and you bake it for um, one and a half hours on 265 degrees. That's a low temperature. You do it low and slow. and Then after one and a half hours, you turn off the oven and leave the pavlova in to cool inside for about another half an hour, 45 minutes, but leave the drawer a little bit ajar. Once it has cooled, you put on some nice, um, if it's milkic meal, you're going to serve it with some uh, freshly whipped dairy whipped cream. If it's pavlova, just whip up some Rich's Whip and then make slices of the most delicious strawberries, plump, plump strawberries. And kiwis, um, if you can get passion fruit, sometimes you can buy it in a can. In Australia, we buy it always fresh because it's always readily available in Australia and in Israel. And then you just um, make some pretty patterns with your um, strawberries, kiwis, and if you can get the passion fruit, you pour that over the top, um, over the whipped cream, which is over the top of the pavlova. I know it may have sounded a little bit complicated, but I had to do an homage to uh, the great pavlova of Australia. Um it was created in the 1920s um, for the famous Russian dancer who came with a Russian ballet to Australia, um, and her name was Anna Pavlova, and they created this dish in her honour. So in honour of Australia Day, a little tribute to the Pavlova, otherwise known as the Pav. Okay, you are listening to Table for Two, and we're going to move on to our next guest. Judy Kempler from Sydney, Australia, another guest from Sydney that I'm waking up at 3 a.m. Hello, Judy.
0: Good morning, Naomi. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good.
1: I'm not so tired like you might be tired right now.
0: Oh well, it's 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 lovely to be talking to you no matter what time of the day.
1: Thank you. Thank you so so much for joining us at this ungodly hour for you. Um Judy is the author, co author, I believe, of One Egg is a fortune. Now you've heard me talk about the book many times over the last few months after Judy and Panina, um, her co author sent me the book. Um, Judy, why don't you talk a little about the book? Because I believe one is always more passionate about uh their own stuff, and you'll have all that excitement in your voice about your Uh, book?
0: Well, this book is truly a labor of love. It started when I was a carer for my late mother-in-law, and I so wanted to help the elderly. There wasn't enough money in our community, and we felt with the aging population growing exponentially that we could do something to help and we both had a passion for looking at cookbooks let alone doing a little bit of cooking and so the whole idea came to be and we were two mothers who wanted to be at home for our children beautiful and do something wonderful in the process and we spent 11 years would you believe (laughs) from beginning to end 11 years was in our hot little hands (gasps) But I tell you what, it was a wonderful journey, the most satisfying thing we've ever done. We not only came up with the idea before books of this style were in vogue, but we became the publishers.
1: What does that mean, you became the publishers? What does that mean?
0: We actually produced the book. Like you you pay
1: for the printing, that sort of
0: thing? Oh, we not only paid for the printing, we organized the paper, we organized the legals, we organized the shipping, we organized the customs. We organized anything that is to do with the cookbook, the photographers, the food stylists, all of it. And we're really, really proud of what we achieved. And we are two women who have never done this sort of thing before and we have won six international awards that's
1: fantastic
0: and we have beaten and it sounds a terrible thing to go about <laughs> but we have beaten many long-term publishers in the process and we feel that's pretty remarkable for for us and for a, a jewish cookbook in the world of I don't know how many cookbooks are out there. Nothing.
1: Oh, it's unbelievable. So. When I walk into, when I walked into Hanukkah time, um, to, uh, do the books, to, to look at cookbooks and to, you know, introduce them to One Egg is a Fortune. There's a million cookbooks there. It's, I it, know. and, and I yours know. is really outstanding and you're really, it's really up there with the top, top Susie Fishbein books. You know, Joy of Thank Kosher there, and, and, Jamie Geller and, and Susie Fishbun's Kosher by Design. They're right up there. It's glossy. It's large. It's also a coffee table book. Um, it's full of recipes for, for, um, it's, um, from Jews from across the world. How, like Chaim Toppel and Alan Dershowitz and all these famous European Jews and scientists, you know, Nobel Prize winning Jews. How did we get these people to do this?
0: Ah, well, with great difficulty, (laughs) (laughs) actually. When, I mean, these these people are really generous with their time. Um, We contacted, I can't tell you how many people across the world. Sometimes it would take six months to get a contribution. Sometimes it would take one little email or a quick phone call. Um, But the people in our book were all generous with their time. Yes, unbelievable. And it is just you know, a credit to them that the book is a success. Um, I think what makes our book a little bit different is not only is it a visual feast like all the other books out there, but it's one that shows how food through its heartwarming anecdotes plays a role in the lives of famous Jewish people. And not only are, I suppose, our contributors well known for their major achievements in the world scene, but it is their food story and their biography that makes them, I suppose, no longer remote. It makes them very human, just like you and me and anyone out there. So that. Makes it a, a truly a cookbook with a difference.
1: You know, you know what I, I liked about this book, and I had it sitting out um, little, about three, four weeks ago, and and I, you know, left it on the table after I was making a recipe, and and my husband came down to the kitchen, and then he takes a look at this. It's quite a large cookbook, and he starts flipping through it, and he starts reading some of the, you know, the stories, and I'm like, oh my God, so he's reading a cookbook. And it was really nice. Like, you know, the husband might read about the anecdotes and stories from the recipe writers, so to speak, um, but, but, you know, not so interested in the recipe itself, even though he would like to eat it. And, you know, we all eat through our eyes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it was really nice that he was enjoying that as well. You know, it's a cookbook for everybody.
0: Well, that's what we found here too. I mean, a lot of men love reading the book. Um, one of Panina's friends took it to bed with him when it first was published.
4: <laughs> that's you know, very that's cute.
0: That's really nice. Taking a cookbook to bed. <laughs>
1: so well, I have it, a pile it, by mine.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: it just shows what an interesting mix the book provides. So it's not just a cookbook. It's a meaningful cultural record. And it's a snapshot of what, you know, has happened to Jewish people over the last century. And
1: the money all goes to stucker, Right.
0: Yeah, to charity. Um, we, we our preference is to buy things off wish lists. So we buy Meals on Wheels. Oh, beautiful! Um, relatively recently, we went and bought a whole lot of hullers for Friday night for the Meals on Wheels in Sydney.
1: Okay, can you just um, say what Meals on Wheels is quickly?
0: Oh, sorry, sorry. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: know if everyone is. All of our listeners are familiar with Meals on Wheels.
0: Meals on Wheels is in Sydney. Is a um, know, well, how do you put it? It's a service provided by uh, the Centre of Aging, where people who cannot afford or are incapable of cooking uh, a meal have meals provided. Because they they're elderly meals and delivered to their home.
1: It's beautiful organization.
0: It is fantastic. So on a Friday night, um, they stopped providing hulla because there wasn't enough money oh, and a few no. other issues and we we provided some hullers and it's, you know, when you're old and you've got dementia, your long-term memory is fantastic. Right.
1: And you want to have... And it means
0: that if you've got a hulla, it means it's Friday night. Oh, and that's beautiful. Us, that was a beautiful thing. We've bought walkers for old age homes. We've provided, you know, other services, and it makes us happy, you know. Um, I'm going to cry. Every little bit helps the age. No, that's, that,
1: that's really beautiful, Judy. I'm like, I'm very touched because, you know, my grandmother was living with my parents for the last two years of her life um, between my – my grandmother's living with either my mother or my uncle, and they, they literally took care of her morning, noon, and night, and thank God she didn't need any of these things. But there were so many elderly that don't have all this, this – um, you know, they don't have family around and that they can, um, you know, get what they need.
0: I know. Beautiful. It's, and,
1: it's, and where can we so buy far. the book? Where, besides, oh, besides besides on my website, so if, I believe you can get it through my website. I know that you can get it from my website, but if you're in Australia, you can buy it at Gold's, I believe. You can buy
0: it at Gold's at Norton Street, um, um in Linfield.
1: Can we buy them in Israel? If where one is living in Israel?
0: Not easily. We're (laughs) actually talking to um, someone through Yad Vashem at the moment. Hopefully, it's going to be in Israel shortly.
1: Lovely. And in the Uh, States, you can buy it through my website, theaussiegourmet.com. It's at the bottom of the page as a link. And um, Judy was so amazing that anyone who buys the book through my website and they put in the code Aussie Gourmet, I think they get a special discount
0: also. That's right. Um you can buy it um through J L Levine at the um at the oh, sorry I my am too tired. It's I okay. Know. I know it's <laughs> 3 in the morning but you, you can, can buy, buy it in various And uh, Judaica Plus in Los Angeles Ju- at the yes, in, sorry, in, at the Jewish Museum. You can buy it in New York. And Judaica Plus. Um, Judaica,
1: Judaica Plus um Judaica Plus yes in Cedarhurst uh, if you're in the five towns and you want a copy um you don't need to uh, come to me. You can go straight to Judaica Plus and um, ask for the book. And if you're afraid, if you do look at the book, Americans, I'm talking to you now, and anyone from the U.S. who's buying the book, and you see things in the metric system, don't be afraid. At the back is a very simple, and there aren't too many recipes that are like that, um, but there is a little bit of a metric conversion in the back, so you do not have to worry. It's totally worth buying this book.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fabulous, you. and it's a wonderful collection to any cookbook's um, you know, the cookbook shelf, I call it the, you know, I keep some I keep in my kitchen, the, the, the best ones I keep in the kitchen, and the rest I keep in my den, but, but yours is in my kitchen because I use it so often, and I totally recommend everyone can buy it and every, all of our listeners should go today to com, go to the bottom of the homepage, and you'll see One It Gives a Fortune, and you can put in the instructions for Aussie Gourmet and get a really great price on that. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Judy. Thank you so much for joining us today at 3 a.m.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Naomi. All
1: right. Go back Bye, to sleep. Bye, everyone,
0: and we hope you enjoy the cookbook, thank One you. Egg is a Fortune.
1: Thank you. And we look forward to future projects together, Judy.
0: Thank you. Thank oh. you very much.
1: All right. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. You are listening to Table for Two on the Siegel Network. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and celebrating Australia Day with me. Uh, it's been quite a lot of fun, very nostalgic, talking to Rabbi gutnik and Rabbi Groner from the Kashrut Authority of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Rabbi gutnik as we mentioned, was also my Masada Kadushin, And then, we'd of course, we just had uh, Judy Kempler uh, on the phone who, with along with Penina Jacobson, wrote... One egg is a fortune, and that, as we said, is available also on my website, theaustralgourmet.com. You know, for the last 22 years, I've been living in Australia. I've been living in America, and people always talk to me about my accent. And you know, how, I can't even begin to tell you how many times people have said like, "Throw a shrimp on the barbie," or "That's not a knife," or they wish they could go to Australia. You know, they just, just can't handle the long flight. But I said, you know, it's worth when you get there, and you know. I try to convince people that they should go. They can always spend Shabbat with my parents. Um, but a really great way to go to Australia is on a tour group because, you know, like anywhere, when you go with a tour, you don't have to overthink things and you don't have to spend all that precious time beforehand, um, you know, planning. So I actually have David Wallace on the line. David Wallace is what we call an Australian like me, an expat, meaning an expatriate. To the country. We are both ex-Australians. Now, I guess I'm an American and he's lucky enough to be an Israeli. And he, um, hello David. Are you with us?
4: G'day, g'day mate.
1: G'day mate. How are you? You polished <laughs> up on your accent? Uh,
4: been practicing it since I knew we had this scheduled, uh, interview. Yeah. Very excited to be back on your show.
1: Thank you so much for, ha- you know, for joining us. It's been a little bit of a while. We've, ha- we've had a lot of really packed shows and, you know, we talk about, you know, um, getting, trying to get you on the show a little bit more. Um, So we're talking about, you know, Australia Day, David being an Australian. So today's all about Australian people and Australian uh, businesses uh, overseas as well. Um, David um, owns Eddie's Travels, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about Eddie's Kosher Travels?
4: That's it, uh, Naomi. Um, For um, those of you who love travel, this company's been around for nearly 27 years, almost 30 years actually. And we focus and specialize in kosher travel to places where the average person would think really twice about going there,
0: like Only Australia. Because,
4: <laughs> like Australia, exactly. That's one of those places. They're less because it's you know there are no cultural gaps. Um, you know we have tours to India and Russia and Morocco, places where you really one couldn't manage on their own from a kashrut point of view and from a cultural point, of, language point of view. But certainly Australia doesn't fit into that. Nonetheless, people are hesitant to go to Australia and New Zealand because it's so far.
1: Right. They are. And and how, you know, once, you know, they, they feel overwhelmed by the plane, right, and then how do they find what to do there and how where is they going to get kosher food? I have my friend's parents calling me. You know, I get a few phone calls a year. You know, I'm going to stay in Sydney. Where should I stay? Where should I eat? What should I do? But if they were, like, sensible, I would, you know, go on a tour. Sure. It take, uh, takes the guesswork out of everything and all that planning you don't have to think about. It's done for you.
4: So true. But let me just put things in perspective, Naomi. Sure. You know, 30 years ago, right, if one was traveling to Australia, you'd have to you'd travel and stop along the way. You'd be stopping in places like the South Pacific, in Hawaii. Um, you know, there weren't direct flights like there are today. Yeah. Today, the very worst case from the East Coast, you take a flight to Los Angeles, is a direct flight to Sydney. Yep. Thirteen hours later, you're landing. You have a good sleep, a good movie, a good book, and you're there.
1: And melatonin. Right? One flight. <laughs> yeah.
4: You know, um, so so it's it's a lot more accessible than it used to be. I think there are even daily flights out of Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, I think Virginia, there are many Virginia, flights. Sydney Melbourne. One yeah. one
1: out of one out of um, Sydney, uh, one out of Los Angeles and one out of San Francisco every single day. And now when you go to say um, a website like Expedia.com or um, CheapAware.com. You, they don't only give you United and Delta and Qantas. They'll also give you, if you're interested, you can go through China or Hong Kong Correct. to Australia, especially which is was... people,
4: especially people coming from Israel or Europe. You can break up the trip. So you stay overnight or a couple of days in Hong Kong and Singapore or Bangkok and explore those cultures, amazing places. And today with Chabad, in every one of those cities, you can't go wrong with kosher. Easy to navigate around, and it's a great part of the travel experience and it's not just about getting to the destination, it's enjoying, enjoying the, the travel to the destination.
1: Right, right. Now let's talk a little bit, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to pretend I'm somebody else, I've never been to Australia and I want to go to Australia. I've found Eddie's Travels Online by going to uh, kosher travelers with one lcom and I find that when is, when, is, when is the next Australian tour? How often do you well, do them?
4: We do we do a tour once a year.
1: Okay, so you've got to find that tour, and I'm assuming it's in the Australian summer.
4: It is in the Australian summer. So when did you just have
1: one, or you're about to we, have one?
4: We're about to we're about to send our 2000. It's actually our 2013 group, but the tour is leaving on January the 28th of this month. Oh wow! Is it it's too late cool to sign tour. up? Too it late. It's completely <gasps> completely sold out. Good for you. Is, we, yeah, and the reason is because we, we we could take more, but you know what? It's for three weeks. It's people travelling together on you know on a bus, off the bus, on the cruise. There's a lot of you know, travelling, and we don't want to overburden the people. We, we want people to be comfortable.
1: Right, So we Small cut groups. it off
4: at 30. 30 is our maximum Beautiful. number of passengers.
1: Beautiful. And even
4: if they come and we say, listen, next year, we've got November the 4th, 2014, that's our next uh, Australian-New Zealand tour, um, so people can sign up for that. But for this year already, they're leaving on January 28th. So you have to Three- really
1: think in advance. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Perfect.
4: Lots, okay. Lots of planning, lots of planning. And, and the truth is, anyone contemplating such a tour will need to think well in advance. It's a, it's a three-week chunk of time.
1: Right. You need Save to, up you need your vacation.
4: Time. Yeah. You know, you're, you're thinking that. It's, it's For most people, will be a once-in-a-lifetime, unless they have kids there or a business interest, they need to travel back and forth. They'll be going to Australia once, not my, like you and me. Uh, go stages. back. My
1: husband's been 13 <laughs> times. My kids have been like 15 times. Australia's not exotic for I my children. Even, I children. I
4: want to tell you how many times I've been in my life. <laughs> Stop, I stopped counting after 25. I oh, know. Yeah, and, and that's in and out of Israel. That's two 11-hour flights, one after the other, with a four-hour in between wait it, over. It's,
1: it's definitely not an easy trip, but we love melatonin. It helps yeah. us sleep. <laughs> on the planes sure. so so one so what happens is you you meet say at jFk where where are these flights leaving from or where uh, does one meet group, for
4: a tour the,
1: even if it's in Morocco where does one meet like do you meet in the United states or do you meet there on location
4: sure there are two options for all our tours we we arrange a group flight out of Tel Aviv because for whatever reason some people even not people living in israel happen to be in Israel and they'll schedule a back-to-back tour of Israel and then join one of our tours, so we found that a lot of people like flying out of Tel Aviv. Mm. We have the group flight flying out of Tel Aviv meeting in the first city of the destination, so for it's Australia it's going to be meeting in Sydney on the first day, uh, and then anyone not coming via Tel Aviv with the group will make their own travel flight arrangements and meet us with their own at their own uh, pace. At the at the airport, they'll get all the details. Like, I, we recommend, they come in the night before. Actually, then they get to rest up. They're already in their hotel that first night, and then we greet them the first day when we arrive and join the group as such and start the start the actual tour. So for the Australia tour, for instance, we're all meeting there on the Thursday. That's the that's November fourth um, tour.
1: And November fourth, two thousand and fourteen.
4: Two thousand <laughs> fourteen. So
1: it's now you know middle of January.
4: Yeah, it's at the end of
1: January. Now. Yeah, and
4: we start the day that first Thursday, traveling right around Sydney, going to uh, Port Jackson. We get to see the Bondi Beach. I bet you remember that one. I uh,
1: remember there. that's where I grew up. Longer Bondi day. Beach, Sydney Opera
4: House. Aww. Check out the Blue Mountain Then we head out to the Blue Mountains. We got the beautiful all in,
1: all in one day. All
4: in one day. All in one day.
1: Okay. Um,
4: and then then we continue the Friday in in Sydney Town around the harbour. Uh, the Darling Darling Point. Uh, Darling Harbour, uh, yep. yeah. Darling Harbour, Parliament House.
1: David's from uh, Melbourne, everyone. I'm from Sydney. That's why he doesn't know the terms that well.
4: <laughs> there you go, you see. And it's been a long time.
1: Yeah, no, I know, and then, sure.
4: and then on the Friday, we actually get on a cruise. You see, this, this tour is actually a tour-cruise combo. Ah, oh, okay? fabulous. So the beauty is once you're on that cruise, you unpack, and you've got 14 nights on that cruise, cruising right around the coast of Australia and New Zealand.
1: Oh my like god!
4: The, Amazing. Like the fjords, um, and that way you really get to see such a vast area without having to pack and unpack. And you've been to Sydney, been to Melbourne, and now you're getting on the cruise ship.
1: And how is, how how does the kosher work from there? Like, who's the caterer? Like someone from Australia? Sure. Or? We we
4: take our own chef on board from Israel. The kitchen. Someone yep, from, Israel? from Israel. From Israel. Someone who does this as a profession, as a living, as a who uh, knows what he's doing. And he goes into the kitchen, takes over an area in the kitchen, Mashir, all the came, all the area, it's cordoned off okay. in accordance with the with the uh, the regulations of the ship. And then the the food is prepared under our Hashgakha with the Mashkiach in there at all times. We bring in we bring in the meat with us, the uh, fruit and vegetables and fish and those sort of things that uh, eggs obviously that we use from the ship. Um, but everything else is our own and all dishes are broken, new, open for us, the cruise ship understands that, you know, there's a market for this sort of thing. So they, they really appreciate what, what uh, you know, the clientele that we bring. And uh, even though, you know, the particular cruise to Australia is a, is a small one, but they know that you know, overall there are many, many cruises that we do and, you know, they look after us. But so then once the food is prepared, it's brought up to our own area within the dining room where we sit and uh, we have our own area. Um, generally, you know, we have great views looking out onto the onto the sea because we have the most of our guests take the suites, so you know they give us a nice area. That's um, fantastic.
1: Look, I am like dying to go on a kosher cruise. I've been on a regular cruise where I've had the frozen meals. It was awful. It was so awful. And I can, I just, I, I'd love to go on one of these kosher cruises. I'm sure a lot of I'll my love- listeners would love also. To uh, to experience that, it sounds absolutely phenomenal. Where other what other countries do you go?
4: Besides, uh, we finished with Australia.
1: Yep, we've we've done okay. our Australian tour. We, where, where do we dock when we've done Australia, New Zealand? Where does that tour end? Back in Sydney.
4: That ends and in Auckland.
1: In Auckland, and Auckland is in in, in New, New
4: Zealand. Correct, and then they fly home to their gateway. I remember, they've been to a place called Milford Sound. I love talking about it. It's okay, yeah. Never oh, heard of it? Beautiful places in the world. Um, I call it it's the Norway of the South. You've got the national parks there, the the fjord lands, uh you're cruising through the fjords. Okay, if anyone has been to Norway they'll know what I'm talking about.
1: Fjords is hey, spelled F-J- G- spell it
4: F J. F F J O R D S. And um, it's a case of really seeing God's majesty and beauty. At, you know, for everyone, Jewish and not, but particularly for us, you know, Jews who are sensitive to Looking out for, for and being aware of God all around us at all times, you just see it, and it's just awesome. It's what you call awesome. Awesome,
1: right? it's awesome. Like awesome. Awesome, awesome. They say, awesome. Correct. Oh, and, fabulous!
4: Um, you, know, you you just you just looking out, and and you're, it's jaw dropping. Um, so so that that uh, New Zealand is a wonderful, beautiful place. You get to Ro- Rotorua, Napier.
1: I've Zealand, never been. I've never been to New I Zealand.
4: You know how many Australians have never been to? New
1: I know it's Zealand? crazy. It's <laughs> only four hours. It's like someone have your from your parents
4: the... been to New Zealand. I don't think so. There you go. Neither of mine. It's and crazy. They were there for forty years and still never went there.
1: It, it's crazy, you know right? Yeah. Like you know, it's like five towns townsperson never been to, you know, the Bahamas.
4: <laughs> right. I actually have been. Uh, we went with my family. We took a, a camper van for two and a half weeks before we made Aliyah from okay. Australia. We knew there was not going to be another chance. You know, this is our last chance whilst we were living in Australia. So we flew down to New Zealand, hired a camper van, and explored the country for almost three weeks. It was beautiful. That's it. We'll talk about it. That's
1: it. That's, that's really fabulous. And they live in Israel. and now Israelis love to tour around their, their own countries. Yeah, okay, so, so, so where are where else do we go?
4: Well, if you've been to Australia and New Zealand, um, <laughs> you've got to this year, we've got Tanzania and Zanzibar. Well,
3: Africa? We have, well, Is let that let Africa? me go
4: through the list and then you tell me which one you want to talk about. We've got mm. Vietnam and Cambodia. We've got Japan. We've got classical China. We've got Morocco. Spain, Gibraltar and Portugal. We've got Ecuador, Galapagos Island and Peru. The Canadian Rockies in Alaska. Iceland. India. And Australian New Zealand, as I said.
1: Okay, so if one wants to sign up for all of them, do we get a package deal?
4: <laughs> you got a deal. Anyone who mentions Naomi from Aussie Gourmet, I will look after them.
1: Okay, thank sure. you. and And David... <laughs> David took care of actually Jamie and I, Jamie Geller and I were on the show together about a few weeks ago,
4: yes, two three I weeks heard. ago,
1: and we gave you an incredible shout out to your Pesach oh, really? program. Yeah, oh we, sweet,
4: we, thank you.
1: We we were both talking how we're still working off the Pesach weight, and I was only there for Shabbos, and she she was there for a week, and it was like crazy, unbelievable. He's joining
4: us again this year, Naomi.
1: I Love wish, I wish. When my daughter go, my daughter is in year year 11th grade, mm-hmm. uh, and I have another daughter in tenth grade, so we'll be in Israel for two Pesach in a row. But not for another two years.
4: Well, we'll be we'll be here for you. Um, for I'm waiting, there. David.
1: I'm waiting. I'm very excited. To join. Thank what you. What are you
4: doing for celebration for Australia Day in New York?
1: What am I going to be doing? Well, you know, I had my re- my show today. We're going to be celebrating. Uh, we celebrated this whole hour with you, and then I'm going to be having a like, little Tim Tams fest. I love my Tim Tams.
4: Nice. You yeah. Know the story about Tim Tams? Didn't did, did Robert Goodnick tell you the story? No, no, he so- did not. But the most, the most ironic thing was that Tim Tams. When we lived in Australia, you couldn't, you couldn't source them because they were manufactured for export market only to yes. the U.S. and Israel. And us locals could never get our hands on the Tim Tams. We had to travel to Israel or the U.S. to bring back Tim Tams. That is correct. And they were manufactured. Remember those days? Yeah. Now yep. I think that's changed.
1: Yeah. No, I think you can. can we b- can even
4: get them in Israel, and that's our shabbos morning treat. You know, Tim mm-hmm. Tam and coffee. Mine. <laughs> mine. <laughs> don't
1: laugh. It's mine every morning. Rabbi Groen and Rabbi Gunnik were at Kosher Fest in October. It's a big kosher food show, and they showcase kosher Australia. And Rabbi Groen knows that I have this obsession, and he bought me like three or four packets. I literally have a cup of coffee and a Tim Tam every day till they're all gone. My daughter Simi is in Israel. She was in Israel, and she will be back a whole bunch more packets. So Mm. I always have a supply of Tim Tams. I keep them in the freezer, and every morning, cup of coffee, Tim Tam.
4: Amazing. Nothing like Tintan. Are you you listening about Vegemite now?
1: Vegemite, yeah, we spoke about that earlier. My husband has never had Vegemite. When I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, Uh 19, 20 years ago, I have rolled.
4: You want to hear the funnier?
1: I was craving Vegemite.
4: I hope it's appropriate for radio, though. Will you try me?
1: Okay. Uh oh. We'll censor you out if we need to.
4: So, so we're here for all of a month. Uh, Five years ago, we made other yards. And my kids go to school and they're still having Vegemite sandwiches. Oh, wow. The Israeli, Israeli kids, they're detesting the smell and look of it. It smells like fish. It smells like
1: fish.
4: Finally, they come up with this term for Vegemite. Uh
0: oh. And they
4: call, it, they call it the poop of kangaroo. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all <what> we... right.
4: <laughs> kangaroo's poop. That's what they call it. So from that's... then on, that's what we call it. And actually today it's already the back of our drawer in the kitchen. We hardly even use it. Oh,
1: to, that's so funny. I don't of it. I don't I don't have it so often. Um I know my friend Danny Wozner who lives in Beit Shemesh. He yeah. had a Vegemite sandwich every day at Mariah College of his entire life. Um at one yeah. point it lost his Heksha. There was an outcry from the community and um it's now back under a permanent Heksha. So it's a little tribute to uh, Vegemite. Uh, what was that song? I'm a Happy Little Vegemite.
4: That's it, that was the one.
1: So this has been an incredible show. I've, I've had uh, David Wallace on. I'm on with him now, um, and we had uh, Penina Kempler from uh, One Egg is a Fortune. You can buy her cookbook uh, through my website, theoziegourmet.com. At the bottom of the page, there is a link to buy it, and you write in Aussie Gourmet and you get a great discount. And of course, Rabbi Gutnick and Rabbi Gronat joined us as well. Thank you so much, David.
4: For, Thank you, Naomi, for spending it's been time. And fantastic. Enjoy and, uh, the very special day.
1: The, yeah, Ozzie, right. You well,
4: remember that one?
1: Oi, oi, oi! I want some meat pies.
4: That's it. All Great right. to speak.
1: Thank you very much. Regards to the family.
4: Till next time.
1: All right, we'll do. Shabbat stay, shalom.
4: Stay warm all your listeners.
1: Ah, uh, thank you. On behalf of all the listeners, we thank you.
4: Good on you. Thank all you. Right. All right. Thanks, the best. bye David.
1: Bye you are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Abelson Hyman and Hodgolan Meet. We taste better. Please stay listening right up until Lich Benching with some fabulous music sponsored by our friends at Kerem. Shabbat shalom, everyone, and happy Australia Day.